bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this week on the show, I'm speaking to Lindsay from Lindsay Makes Lemonade on Facebook and Instagram. She is really inspiring, her story of overcoming multiple sclerosis. She has an interesting story of kind of finding out she had MS before she really had any symptoms of MS which she will tell you today. And you can follow her, as I said, over at Lindsay Makes Lemonade. She is sharing the sixth multiple sclerosis story that is on this podcast. And I really hope that you enjoy hearing from her. And when you hear from her, scroll back and listen to, there's two Rebecca's who are sharing their MS story that we've got my own MS story. We've got Jenny Sweater's MS story and we've got Tim Brown's MS story and Rebecca Rosenberg and Rebecca Stenor all sharing their MS stories on this podcast. I will put all their links in the show notes. So there are six there. So if you have someone in your family and you're they're saying, oh, it's just gonna not going to work for me, it's worked for the six people on this show. And <laughs> there are 119 episodes of people reversing and preventing chronic disease and doctors and nutritionists and dietitians and psychotherapists and neurologists and psychologists and everyone on here talking about the many, many benefits of adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. It's just worth listening to if you're someone lying in bed at home, terrified and feeling alone and hopeless. I, I know that these stories can and do help people to feel inspired, to feel hopeful and to slowly or quickly make the changes needed to transform their health and prevent further chronic disease in their lives. So, yeah, I'm just going to get started today. I'm hoping that you all know where you can listen to me and find me and follow me on social media at corinnidja.com and corinnidja on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube and corinnidja on Patreon as well. All the links will be in the show notes. If you want to support this podcast, any way is a good way. I'm happy if you comment, if you leave a thumbs up or a love heart. I'm happy if you put a review over on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. I am happy with any support, sharing, tagging, commenting, messaging, or if you're an incredible Patreon supporter and have gone over there and become a member of my community and you're donating monthly $5 to the podcast, that all in its own way keeps this podcast running, it keeps this podcast reaching people, it helps this podcast keep going because it takes a village, it takes a whole village to get a podcast up and off the ground and keep it going for a long time. You know, we reached 119 episodes and 
it takes a lot. It takes a lot of editing, a lot of time, a lot of organising guests on the show. It takes a lot of resources and time away from paid employment. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm so grateful to all of you, however you do, support this podcast. It's just you all have a piece of my heart. So thank you and enjoy listening to Lindsay and go follow her over at Lindsay Makes Lemonade on Facebook and Instagram. Bye. So hello and welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you. I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. I'm really excited to have you here. So I've given a bit of an introduction to you in that introduction to this episode and as I mentioned, there you are the sixth episode focused on multiple sclerosis. And these stories have a very personal space in my heart because of my own diagnosis with MS. I love hearing these stories because I think about myself back in 2004 when I was diagnosed and I, I needed these stories so badly. So I'm always so happy to have someone come on the show to offer hope to people who are newly diagnosed or they've been diagnosed for a while but they're terrified and feeling hopeless to give them another story, another possibility of what can be the outcome for someone with MS that's not just terrible decline, slow slow decline and misery and suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... There's so many more of us um, that are treating holistically, and I would never have known it until I got diagnosed. So I feel for the people who are newly diagnosed and trying to navigate that path and the people who have been diagnosed for years now and are beginning to navigate the holistic path. But it's just one of those things that until you're willing to, to dive a little bit deeper and use some resources, you... You don't know how many people actually are healing from multiple sclerosis through nutrition and lifestyle changes. It's really, it was really eye-opening for me, so I'm sure it is for others. And I'm really excited and honored to be able to share my story. Um, it's a little bit different than most MS stories, I feel like. So um, hopefully it can resonate with some people. Oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. So let's go back to the start. Where do you where would you like to start in your MS recovery story? I guess I can start with a little bit of what my lifestyle looked like before I was diagnosed. <laughs> um I feel like a lot of us who started to heal holistically once you start to figure out what the warning signs were and what the triggers could be, you replay so many memories in your head of all the different avenues where this could have sprouted from. Um, so for me, so I was diagnosed in early 2016 and I was almost 30. My birthday was in March and I basically got a diagnosis in January. So my in my 20s, I wasn't the healthiest. Um, I weighed 113 pounds, but that's because I wasn't fueling my body in any way. Um, I would eat, you know, a muffin for breakfast or a half a grilled cheese sandwich for lunch and 
bagel bites for dinner or something along those lines. And I was drinking soda and sugary iced tea. And my diet itself was just so poor and not enough. But I thought, you know, I weighed, I weighed my goal weight. And that's what kind of kept me there thinking I was happy. Um, I didn't exercise. I used to joke that I donated to my local gym every month because I never went. I just paid the membership fee. <laughs> I'm donating currently. I run every day, but I just <laughs> running so easy. I can just leave my house, but my gym's 15 minutes away. So I'm paying, uh-huh. but I'm not going. Yeah. I just go for a run instead. I can, I can hear that. <sighs> so yeah, I wasn't eating great and I wasn't exercising, um, staying up late, going out with friends. I drink socially. Um, wasn't sleeping enough by any means. I was allowing work to stress me out. So really like any lifestyle downfall that you could have, I was probably experiencing in one way or another at that time. Um, So fast forward to really the end of 2015 and I had no MS symptoms whatsoever. Um, So I think that's what kind of makes my story a, a rare case. I've dealt with lower back pain for as long as I can remember since my early 20s. And it's just kind of progressed throughout the years where um, I have a difficult time walking long distances. I can't stand for a long time. Um, It's just like this dull, never-ending ache in the back, uh, in my lower back. So after going to a chiropractor and trying acupuncture and going to physical therapy, I finally told my PCP, I've had enough. I want to get an MRI done on my back. My x-rays were clean. I want to see, I want to dig a little bit deeper to see if there's anything going on. And I went in for my first MRI, which was just of my lower spine. And um, they ended up doing a couple more images than they had intended on doing. And that was my first red flag, because obviously they found something uh, within those to to take some more images. So after I had those MRI results come back, they sent me to a neurologist to give me those results. And at the time he said, oh, this absolutely isn't MS. You know, we don't really know what this is, but let's do some more MRI imaging on the rest of your spine and your neck and your brain. And We'll regroup and figure out from there um, and chat again. So I ended up going in for the rest of the MRIs. And when I came out and I had my um, appointment with the neurologist, he said, oh, you have MS. So that was kind of like a, a gut check because they found a lesion on my lower spine and they found a handful of lesions on my brain. And that was enough for them to give me a radiological finding of MS because I couldn't recall ever having any other symptoms, no tingling, no numbness, um, no vision issues, no balance issues. I couldn't recall really readily anything that seemed off for a prolonged period of time. So I left his office with a list of medications and I thought, well, what am I gonna what am I gonna do with this? I feel fine, um, but he told me to go home and read them over and look them up on the internet and see which one I want to take and come back into his office and just let him know. So um, I ended up doing my research like a good patient, and 
I saw all of the side effects that come along with some of these medications, and I was weighing that against how my body felt at the time. I was told that my lower back pain um, was not related to my MS, so if there was no relation there, I really felt physically fine, other than some fatigue, but I just figured that was just natural for the way my life was. So I declined medication at the time, and um, I asked to see another neurologist in the practice who gave me the same diagnosis. And just to do my own due diligence, I live in Maine, so um, I asked to see a specialist in Boston, Massachusetts, and I walked into um, the clinic, and the woman confirmed everything that my other neurologist had said, and she gave me a very similar list of medications and told me to do the same thing, go home, research, let her know which one I wanted to take. And I ended up emailing her with some follow-up questions about just the disease itself. And she responded within an hour, got right back to me with some of those um, answers, and then asked, well, which medication did you decide on? And I wrote back, oh, I I don't think I'm going to go the medication route right now, but I do have some more questions, and I listed those off, and I've never heard from her again. So as soon as I told her I wasn't going to take medication, she pretty much wrote me off. No follow-up from her. I never got any answers to those questions. Um, So at that point, it was about June of 2016, and I got my diagnosis pretty much in January with a confirmation in March. So I was kind of left stranded with no real clear game plan on how I was going to deal with this. I was just kind of hoping for the best. And my husband came home one day in July and said, I think we should go. Or actually, he said, I think I want to go vegan. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, I don't really like meat anyways. Um, I'm not a big cheese person. I'm not, I don't ever drink milk. I've drank plant-based milk for as long as I can remember. So I said, yeah, I'll do it with you. And literally we cleared out everything that we had in our fridge. I think we gave my mother-in-law some of the food that we had left over. Cold turkey, we went vegan overnight. And that was in July. And honestly, it wasn't even a problem for us. It came oddly naturally to to us. So that was July this year? That was July of 2016. Yeah, and we felt like it was the right decision. You know, you start to wonder, why didn't I do this before? Because you're starting to have that mental clarity and and just like a fog is lifted and your body's feeling great. And with all of these changes that I was feeling, I started to wonder, you know, well, if this has this kind of an effect on my body just overall, like, is there any link to my MS as well? So I hopped on Google and I typed in vegan and MS and um, I found the 50-year study by Dr. Roy Swank um, for the Swank diet. And although his diet wasn't vegan, I applied the low saturated fat piece to what I was already doing. So I found him near the end of July and a couple weeks later, I had a really stressful day at work. And I ended up waking up that weekend with a lot of eye pain and um, a little bit of blindness. So I went into the eye doctor and I I had optic neuritis. So I had my first real flare up for MS. Um, 
post-diagnosis, which is which sounds so weird to say, and that's why I kind of say my story is a little different because I didn't spend years and years and years without answers. I kind of got my answer to a problem I didn't even know I had, and then had a result of that problem afterwards. So um, if I had any doubt that I had MS, it was answered <laughs> in that flare-up right there, unfortunately. So it took a couple weeks. My vision came back, and for the most part, and the pain went away. So that had happened a couple weeks after I started the diet. So by the end of 2016, I was due for another set of images, MRI images. And at that point, I had been on the diet for about five to six months. And I got rescanned, and all of my lesions had either um, diminished or greatly reduced in size. So I had my proof that the diet that I was on was exactly the path that I needed to go on. And I felt really secure and thankful that I trusted my gut to go against what three different neurologists had told me and decided to go the holistic route because, I mean, that was the end of 2016. We're at the end of 2019 and I have not had another flare up and I haven't even been back to my neurologist. <laughs> That's incredible. And I think that it's amazing. I'm really, really intrigued to hear how your husband made the connection and wanted to go vegan. I'd love to hear how that happened. It, it just really happened. So, well, actually, I should back up. So he was, um, we've been together now for almost nine years. And a couple years before we got together, he was in a previous relationship and they had lived together. And during that time, this must have been like 06, 07-ish, he had decided he wanted to go vegan just for um, animal cruelty reasons at the time. And so he went vegan for about a year and he really enjoyed going to the gym. And he wasn't privy to the information as much as he is now. So at that time, I think he was really struggling to make a connection as to what he should be doing um, to give him the strength that he really wanted in the gym because I think he was just kind of blindly cutting out animal products and not really knowing how to fill his days correctly. Um, so he only lasted about a year um, being vegan at that time. So then fast forward to when we were together and um, a friend of his at work and his wife had gone vegan or we're trying it out because I don't think they're vegan anymore. Um, but it got him thinking back to when he went vegan before and all of the reasons why. So what we did was not knowing enough about veganism, other than the fact that it's no animal products. We sat down with a nutritionist just to make sure he was getting everything that he needed and to kind of dispel some of his disbeliefs about whether or not he could actually go vegan and still be strong. <laughs> so luckily that nutritionist and really anybody who knows anything about veganism will tell you going vegan isn't the problem. Um, you can easily go vegan and become strong at the same time or go vegan and maintain your strength at the same time. So um, once he kind of got that professional confirmation, it was, you know, we were just off and running. He was he was ready to dive right in. So 
I thank him for having the knowledge years ago, but then I also thank his friend for taking the dive because it ultimately led to us taking the dive too. <laughs> we first went vegan because it was more for animal uh, cruelty reasons, and then it turned into health reasons, and then it's turned into environmental issues and um, everything else that can come with it. But I feel like everything... There's no wrong reason for going vegan. Absolutely. And I, I know a lot of people say, you know, that I, I think it's tricky because a lot of people who go vegan just for their health tend to go away from veganism as soon as they hit a bump or a hurdle or they have a craving. And so when they call themselves vegan, I think that ethical vegans are like, stop calling yourself vegan because you're not vegan. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you go back, it means you never cared about the animals and and I think that can be tricky, but I do think that for me, I was a health, you know, I came to I came to a plant-based diet for my health and it's just easy to describe it as vegan when you're in restaurants and cafes and with people than to explain what plant-based is. But for me, then I made the connection to the animals and I wish I made the connection sooner, but I didn't, but I made it to the animals and now I can't change now in the environment you yeah. and probably every other vegan hoping that we are wishing that we made the connection sooner it's almost heartbreaking to think about sometimes it can be like all we can do is what we have done you know with the information that we had at the time and so I forgive myself for it but I you know obviously I'm aware that I would have been so much healthier for so much longer I would have felt wouldn't have been constipated for years <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So when after we went vegan, my mom actually told me when I was a baby, she couldn't feed me uh, regular formula because I was having like some type of a sensitivity or allergic reaction to it. And she needed to get the specialty formula that didn't have dairy in it. And I'm like, I wish I wish I continued on that path <laughs> from a baby on. And you just think about how different your life would be in probably how much less inflammation I would feel now um, just if I was just eating plants from the start. It is, it is incredible if you're, if you're lucky enough to do that. Yeah, it's, uh, it really would be. But, you know, we, we are where we are and we're moving ahead and it's okay. So did your husband have health? Like, did he feel better this time around? Yeah, you know, he felt better. Um, he definitely felt like he had more energy in the knowledge of knowing that he's doing this all just from plants alone, almost give it, give him like an added boost of confidence and energy as well. He's lifting weights with some of the biggest guys in the gym. And if they knew that he was vegan, I'd love to see their jaws drop in some of the cases, just because when you're in that environment, you don't expect you don't expect too many people to be privy to what a plant-based diet could do for you. Um, but he has felt a huge change, even just the peace that you kind of feel from not eating animal products too can go a long way. So he feels, he feels like he's doing right by the animals and he feels like he's doing right by himself too, for his own health. Mm, mm, definitely. Definitely. And I, talk about the peace you feel and it's funny because I feel that too I feel so much peace from doing that and but then I want to kind of t touch on that because I think that I don't 
I still, obviously, the suffering and cruelty to the animals still makes me really emotional and heightened and possibly it makes me more emotional and heightened than it was prior to going vegan, that when I think about what's happening to the animals every day, I do feel a really strong response. But I would rather feel that sadness and really feel the truth of the reality of how we live on Earth combined with the peace of me not being someone who's contributing or participating in it, then to feel the nothing, ignorant nothingness that I felt before. If that makes sense. 100%. Um, I had a friend who was, who, she's been vegetarian for I think as long as I've known her. So probably since she was around 10 or 12, she was able to make the connection at that young age. And I remember thinking, or rather refusing to make the connection between the animal that I saw on my plate and what it looked like prior to getting to that stage. I would never allow myself to think that this slice of bacon actually came from a pig or this, you know, chicken thigh was literally a chicken's thigh on a body. I just, I wouldn't, I would put that mental wall down in my brain. And I feel like I can I can sympathize with the people who still do that today because I was one of them for so long. So I I never want to be the person to say, why can't you see it? Like, it's so easy to see it once you start to think about it, because I know exactly what it's like to say, I don't want to see it. I want to continue to live conveniently and be able to not have restrictions and eat whatever I want because I'm able to kind of box that out of my mind. Yeah, it's so true. It's so hard because you do want everyone just to go, ah, please, like they're hurting and you're but I do I do agree that I didn't I, it wasn't that I was willful willfully ignorant. I literally was just ignorant ignorant. <laughs> like I Same. Yeah. I was just completely detached. Even though I loved animals, I was just completely detached from the reality of what I was doing. That's something that gets to me today because I feel that that preachy voice coming up inside me, although I won't let it out when I hear someone say how much they love animals, but then I know that they eat them. <laughs> and I just want to be like, but you, you do in some capacity, but you don't in other capacities. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's really talk about it. But I don't want to be, I don't want to push my beliefs on other people. I want to educate in a thoughtful way that's not going to turn them off from making some type of a change. And I feel like by living my life the way that I do and being open and honest about it, I've had more people come up to me and talk about health-related things, nutrition-related things, even disease-related things, um, and how to treat them holistically. Um, I've had that happen so much in the past couple of years, and I feel like a lot of it comes down to the fact that I'm just so open and honest about it without judgment of how anybody lives their life differently than I do. Even those with MS who someone might connect me with someone that they know who has MS, and we might have a, have a short, thoughtful conversation. And my biggest thing is I just want them to know that there are ways of healing that exist that don't involve medication. I want them to know that it exists. And then they need to come to terms with whether or not they'd like to pursue that or not. Because I know that for some people, medication is the route that they have chose to take. They, they listen to the word of their doctor 
as if it's gospel and they feel comfortable in that decision. And while I really want to give them the information to try to change their mind, I know that they need to come to that decision on their own. And all I can do is offer them the educational materials or even just the thought that it's even possible to get those gears working in their mind to try to see something differently. And I feel that same way with veganism too. So um, I've had a lot, a lot of people um, reach out and maybe they haven't gone fully plant-based, but you know, what are some of your tips for swapping out a, like one, one meal a week? What are your favorite recipe blog sites? Like what are what's an easy swap for this or an easy swap for this. Um, so it's just, it's little changes that can add up to big changes. And I feel like any step, any step as big or small that you want to take is a step in the right direction in my book. So just getting them to take that first step and hoping that it's kind of like a snowball effect is really all that I'm going for. I am coming more to this space. I have to say that I have been, I've swung widely between, (laughs) you know, just being too emotional to have those conversations uh, and, and being open and receptive. And I think I'm the most open and receptive now, except probably towards my parents. <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fine with them too. But I'm, um, yeah, like it's just, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm just getting to be more about whatever they can do, whatever that people can. If, if they reach out to me to still in and say, it's just to say, do it. I loved. I had um, Divya sing on the podcast couple of episodes ago and she her just talking about you know celebrating it and making it joyful mm-hmm. every meal every choice every decision you know celebrating those choices and making it joyful and I think that that's a really great and beautiful way to encourage people to do whatever they can and I think it's more meaningful and I listened to an interview with Dak Shepard and I think I may have mentioned this in one of the last episodes as well but he was talking to Jonathan Safran Foer Four, I think his name is. He wrote a book called Maybe. Eating Animals. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've heard of that, yes. Yeah, and that – he was – and Jack Jonathan was talking about, you know, just encouraging people to eat. He's not vegan. He's vegan two meals a day and vegetarian one meal a day. But he's just saying that when we say, you know, go vegan all the way, it can make people – just go, I cannot do that. You know, I love cheese. I'm addicted to cheese and processed, all these things that they're addicted to. And it's just too much. And so they're not doing anything. But if we say, you know, what could you try? When What, what meal could you have that's vegan that you have once a week or once a day? Or what could you do? Could you give up red meat or could you add in? Adding in stuff is great. And I think that, you know, the more we focus on – because if, if people, people did two meals a day or one meal a day, there's still a third – better and a third less animals are dying than what is happening if we say do everything and they're like burying their head in the sand I'm never doing that that's impossible yeah there's um and I'm gonna butcher this because I don't know it's funny to even use the term butcher but I'm gonna butcher this saying because I don't know exactly who said it or what it was but it was something along the lines of um, we don't need a few people doing things perfectly we need many people like basically trying the best that they can with what they have 
and I, I fully wholeheartedly agree with everything that you're saying. Any, any little step, because it's, it's a momentum thing too. So many people don't change or aren't willing to change something until they can see results. So we live in a, in an age where it's instant gratification, you know, you pull up Facebook, it's up within 0.2 seconds and you're already scrolling. The second that the internet is a little bit slow and it takes three seconds for your Facebook to load, you're like, what's happening? I can't get anything done and everybody's up in arms. So we live in a, in a constant state of wanting that instant gratification. And it's like, when it comes to making nutrition changes, as you know, it's not overnight. Um, it needs to be a series of similar changes over and over again to start feeling those effects. And for some people, it happens sooner than others, depending on whatever it is that you're trying to heal or work on. So keeping, keeping a momentum going of those small changes can only add up to really starting to notice a difference. I know that when I started the low saturated fat diet, my results came back that my lesions had gone down, but my body itself just wasn't quite there yet. So I had the image results, but I wasn't feeling really too different at that point in time. It wasn't until another four or five months, probably eight months in total um, after starting the diet where I realized one day, wow, like I've had energy to do stuff after work every day this week, or I felt really good in the gym lately. Um, I felt strong and I, I could run. And it was just kind of like looking back at the past week or two, I realized how different I felt compared to the months of, of days prior. And I realized, okay, like I, I had the, the physical like imaging results of a change, but now I'm actually starting to feel it in my body. So I'm part of a lot of MS groups online and most of them are all on board with healing holistically with it. So it's nice to be around like-minded people. And so many newcomers come into these groups saying, I started the diet, but I'm starting to feel like really like run down. It, I just don't feel any changes yet. It's been a couple weeks. Like, why don't, I just don't know if this diet's going to work for me. And it's just like, then they pose the question, how long did it take for you? And it's really hard to say, well, it took me eight months. It'll take you eight months too. You can't really say that because just like the disease itself too, it's different for everybody. Everybody had their own how it came to fruition, their, how they got the diagnosis, how they've dealt with the diagnosis since, the length of time, what symptoms they have. I mean, they don't call it a snowflake disease for nothing. <laughs> so when it comes to healing, same thing. You just, you just have to be patient. But I, I truly believe in my core that your day will come where you'll turn around and think just like I did wow, I've really started to feel so much better in these past few weeks. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I agree. I agree that people want it to be an overnight thing, but you didn't get to where we are with our chronic diseases overnight. And it takes a little while for the body to adjust and find a new normal. And, and as you said, as you know, it is something that is individual and some people with more significant damage and more, you know, pro, you know primary, primary progressive MS or secondary progressive MS who are coming and finding the diet may not get the recovery that I've experienced. But what I like to say is that they will get 
recovery. It just may not be exactly what they'd hoped for because you will pretty much be guaranteed to have better digestion. You will be guaranteed probably to have I'm saying probably probably and guaranteed together. <laughs> you know, to to have higher energy and to you know, to have many other chronic diseases prevented and many other side effects and things of our health overcome. Like I had candida every month and then that doesn't happen anymore. So I wouldn't want to have secondary progressive or primary progressive MS and a whole host of other niggling ailments and be waiting for the next diagnosis of another chronic disease, diabetes this time or ulcerative colitis this time or eczema this time or a heart disease this time or cancer. You know, there's still benefit even if you're not getting the exact disease reversal of long-term damage to your the nerves in your brain and spinal cord that have been happening prior to you finding the diagnosis. Yeah, and the times that I've tried to sell people on this diet who have MS, I even I always end it with and even if you don't like you said don't see the results that you are hoping for, by all accounts, this is just a healthy diet to be on and a healthy lifestyle to have regardless. So you would still feel the benefit from that. So what were your struggles when you first started? Because a lot of people are, you know, you're listening, you're saying that you were eating, well, under eating by the sounds of it, a muffin and then a half a grilled cheese and then bagel bites which is basically, <laughs> there's just no fiber along that at all. No, no. Oh, my God. And, I mean, I don't know if this is TMI, but we're all friends here. It's just like I was only, you know, passing through like every couple of days. And I, and I say, and I don't know if this is like technically true or not. It's like as if my body was trying to pull every nutrient it could out of the little bit of food that I was giving it and trying to hold on to it. For as long as it could, because it didn't know like when I was going to properly feed my body again. So when I ended up going or switching to being plant-based, it's funny. I never liked cooking. I made a turkey for the first time the Thanksgiving before we went vegan, and I was traumatized. I had never made a turkey before. I thought it was the grossest thing I've ever done. The turkey was so big, and I didn't know how to wash it or get it in the, like get it in the oven. Like the whole thing about it, I hated. I remember. Um, it's so disgusting once you think about it. You're like, I'm washing the inside of a corpse <laughs> of a dead bird. Yes. I'm, I'm rinsing its, its cavities so that I can stuff its cavity <laughs> full of bread and onion. Yeah. What a weird thing to do. It seems like from another planet now at this point. <laughs> seems so normal back then, though. It seems so normal back then. Like, I've, I've done it too, and you're just like, how, how did I not think, oh, my God, this is a really twisted thing to do? And it's, aside from not having, like, feet or a head, like, it is the whole turkey's body. Like, the legs are tied behind its back. It has a spinal cord, like... You see all of those things as you're trying to cook it. And I swore never again. And I didn't realize at the time that it truly would be never again because I would go vegan. But 
I swore never again at that moment, even when I thought I would continue to eat meat, I was never going to do that again, just because it truly disgusted me so much. Um, but then, you know, I remember putting chicken in the crock pot and shredding the chicken and even that grossed me out. So like, I, I guess I just, I never really enjoyed cooking. I felt like all of the fats and oils that came off of beef and chicken breasts that gathers in the pan. I just, all of it just, I thought it was so gross, but I thought it's just what we eat. It's just what we do. So I just accepted it. I masked it with spices or whatever, drained it so I didn't have to look at it. Whatever it took, I just felt like that's what I had to do to eat. So when we ended up going plant-based, I think the first time we went to the grocery store, we spent like two hours <laughs> in there just because, <laughs> you know, trying to like orient yourself and, and the questions that we had then are the questions that you get from people today. Like, oh, um, why don't you pick up, I don't know, this type of, um, of, I don't even know what a good example is. What, like something my mom asked for the other day. I can't think of what it is. But like this type of nut cheese, say, for instance. And then they say, oh, do I have to go to Whole Foods to get that? And it's like, well, no, because Hannaford and Shaw's and all of like the major grocery store chains that are in the United States, they all are starting to carry those things now. So it's not as inaccessible as people perceive it to be. Um, but that's not what we thought when we first went to the grocery store. So it was literally just two hours of us just reading labels, seeing what we could have, um, getting a feel for the grocery store all over again and being pleasant, honestly, pleasantly surprised by some of the options that are available. And I'll admit we started out as a little bit of junk food vegans. So Fair enough. <laughs> you weren't, you weren't doing it for your health at the time. Yep. Gardein and all of those things that are like the processed meats and things we would get a lot of, but I feel like it was just important that we made the switch. And then once we kind of got our feet wet in terms of knowing the items that we could get at the grocery store and how accessible that was, I graduated then to finding vegan recipe blogs and making a lot of the foods at home, which automatically equals healthier dishes to eat. And I found that I love cooking now because I'm actually making things that look good, taste good, smell good. I'm not repulsed by the things that I'm seeing in the pan of the pot. So I look forward to finding new recipes that I can try to like dig in and create. I took my grandmother who passed away a couple of years ago. I took her pumpkin pie recipe and it had evaporated milk in it. And I played around with the recipe for a little bit to get it to work. And I finally landed on, um, using maple syrup and soaked cashews and you just throw it in a food processor and it gives you a very similar consistency and the pie you wouldn't even know that it didn't have all of the original ingredients in it so like it's fun to play around with things like that so I found a new enjoyment like what you were saying earlier I found a new joy from making these different foods and trying these different recipes and seeing what we like and what we don't like I think it kind of gives you a new chance to be creative. And I, I imagine the first people who created all the foods that our own specific culture enjoyed and was the status quo of what we ate, you know, roast, roasts, roasts and stuffing and potato, you know, 
all the meat and three veg kind of meals that we had, for them that would have been a creative, beautiful start. And then once they'd created it, we all just kind of went along for the ride. We're just all going to keep eating these handful of recipes that these pioneers these pioneer colonialists or whoever it is in your country created. But once you go vegan, you actually get to relearn and play with food with a clean, clear mind and be like, what can this grain do? Or how can I use this Mm -hmm. lentil? Or what can I do with this vegetable I've never tried before? And I found it so much more fun. And for my family, it gives you a chance to own your meals and and yeah and to play and be creative and be excited about what you're going to get when you combine all Uh these ingredients rather than going I know what I get I get spaghetti bolognese (laughs) you know like I get yeah (laughs) and I had no idea you could use cashews in so many different things yes So many different ways. So was there any pushback from your family and friends when you made the switch to veganism? I would say from my close friends and my family, no. Acquaintances and, you know, work friends, yes, I get made fun of sometimes. But they're all, deep down, they are all supportive of the change. I feel really lucky that I wasn't met with much resistance in that in that regard, my family, my mom would later tell me that she was really hesitant when I told her I didn't want to go on medications for my MS. She was worried what that would look like for me. Um, so when she started to see all the changes that I was feeling from my diet, I think the proof was, was right there in her face. So, um, it actually made them start to clean up their diets a little bit. They're not they're not vegan, but they, they have made some swaps. And my dad, um, has rheumatoid arthritis and he was on a ridiculous amount of prednisone for the pain. And a lot of days he couldn't really function because his hands were just in such, such pain. He said, it feels like a dagger is just going through his hand at all times. There's like three or four episodes of the podcast on. Oh, interesting. Um, so I, at that point, I had already changed my diet and was feeling really well with it. So I was gently pushing, <laughs> trying to incorporate more plant-based items with him. And he ended up cutting out red meat completely, drastically reducing how much chicken and fish he was eating. He realized that corn is actually his biggest trigger for his symptoms. Um, and now he's cleaned up his his diet so much, I think. He's coming up on two years medication-free um, just because of the diet changes he made. And he knows now if he gets some type of a flare-up, he's able to pinpoint, pretty much always pinpoint it right back to something that he ate um, that he should have known he shouldn't have. So he's feeling really good with it, too. So it's fun to to influence your loved ones to make positive changes with it um, as well because you know that even if I just do that and I don't influence anybody else, like even that's just worth it. Um, and we have our American Thanksgiving holiday, um, coming up in uh, next week. And we, my family does Thanksgiving either the weekend before or two weeks before. And we just had it this past weekend. And it's so 
fun to see all of the vegan dishes that come. And I don't think anybody, well, my aunt, one of my aunts is vegetarian, but no one else is vegan. So the fact that people think about me and my dietary needs and restrictions, the fact that they bring dishes to accommodate that. And I think they kind of have some fun and see it as like a challenge to see what they can make in a vegan way. It's just, it's nice that they, they feel like, or it's nice that I feel included by what they bring along. That's so lovely. I love hearing those stories and I'm so happy that your dad's feeling so much better. It's really, really wonderful. Thank you. So what, my last kind of question for you would be, there's two actually, uh, and that would be, where can people follow you online? So my the main account that I like live on is um, on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, I share to both. It's Lindsay Makes Lemonade. So L-I-N-D-S-A-Y Makes Lemonade. Um, it started as an account to chronicle my journey with MS And then it turned into um, a place to share, you know, the vegan food that I make and recipes that I found, um, some of the articles that I've written and speaking engagements that I've done. Those are always fun to to share. And then now it's kind of morphing into um, like some more body acceptance things. So I'm kind of like all over the place with it. But I really like that because I feel like if you're staying stagnant as a person, um, I don't want to fit into a, into just one mold, um, on this account. I kind of want to be as authentic as I can be and as, um, fluid as, as my life has kind of gone with all this and all the growing that I'm doing. I feel like my account really reflects that. So it's not so much like, I just want to build a community of people that of like-minded people, because, I have a personal account and it's basically just pictures of my dog (laughs) and my husband. Um, So this account, I only follow other accounts that um, really inspire me and make me feel good. So when I say like I live on that account, it's because, you know, it's so easy to feel run down by some of the things on social media that you see. So if you're if you're taking care of yourself and, and unfollowing the accounts that don't make you feel good and follow the accounts that make you feel good, it's, it's nice to go on social media and kind of scroll through and see everybody's, uh, everybody in their different seasons. It's nice. Yes. I, lo- I, I loved, I don't know if you know this, but this podcast was initially called When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. Oh, I didn't know that. That's it so funny. It was. <laughs> and so when I saw your name, Lindsay Makes Lemonade, I was like, wow, we're so <laughs> yeah. great great minds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was the thought process behind yours and the thought process behind mine was probably the same. I don't know about you, but my lemons were MS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. And then I made lemonade. Yeah, yeah exactly. same, same, same. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that's really funny. I love that. Uh, Okay, so what are your three biggest tips for anyone listening who's considering taking on a whole food plant-based diet or who wants to make the switch? My three biggest tips. I would, we kind of touched on it earlier, don't think of it as a whole picture. Take the little bits of it that feel um, manageable for you to change and kind of break at it bit by bit unless you want to take a dive like I did and, and do the whole thing at once. That's fine too, but... For for a lot of people, it's much more manageable to just focus on something bit by bit, whether that be 
replacing breakfast uh, with a plant-based meal and only focus on that and then maybe add in lunch and then dinner or, you know, replacing all of your milks with plant-based milks. And then once you get that, replace all of your cheeses with plant-based cheeses. So however you can break away at it, I think um, that can be super helpful. My second tip would be to follow social media accounts um, that share a lot of vegan tips or recipes or information. Um, I know, oh, I, my, I mean, I follow so many different accounts and I just have a running list of so many different things I want to try. Um, a lot of the different plant-based news articles that come out let me know of new products and new places to try. Um, so getting you kind of get a resurgence of excitement every time you see something come out that catches your eye um, and it keeps that fire really burning. So that would definitely be a tip as well. And then my third tip would be to watch documentaries just because I know how much things like What the Health and Cowspiracy, um, how much that changed our world years ago when we first started on the journey. It will either change if you're on the fence it will change your mind if you are already in the transition period to going more plant-based or you are fully plant-based it will just fuel your fire even more especially with game changers that just came out amazing documentary um yeah definitely check that one out if you are interested in being plant-based in an athlete did your husband love that one oh yeah he has not watched it yet because in his mind he thinks I'm already a vegan athlete. Like, I don't necessarily need to watch that. But I watched it and I was like fist pumping the whole time. Like, yes, yes, yes. Every time they would go over something, I think I've sold him on on watching it. But he hasn't watched it yet. But he it's will. It's just so motivating. And I think even if you're already a vegan athlete, like just watching it and being like, look, there's people like me out there and they're freaking smashing it. Like, uh-huh. it's just, Those it, stories. it just rebuilds that. Like, oh, yeah, the stories are so amazing. Honestly, it made me want to go out and run a marathon, to be completely honest. I just wanted to start smashing some personal records and, like, be one of those people that were on the screen feeling that way. It's, it's, a, it's a really well-made documentary. Absolutely. And if you've listened, I don't know if you've listened to any of this podcast, but this podcast, and that's why people, when people say to me are things, you know, about veganism or whatever, and I think, like, Almost every single guest on this show has gone from being chronically ill, like really ill mm -hmm. or terminally ill, some of the cases, and have gone from being like that, eating the standard way that everyone you see eats. They've gone from being like that to pretty much everyone's become some form of runner, some sort of athlete, some sort of ultra marathon, obsessed person, Brazilian jiu-jitsu Riding up mountain, volca active volcanoes, like <laughs> we just, every guest, like a bodybuilder or a body, you know, they're, every single guest pretty much has, is now some form of an Ironman, mm -hmm. some form of athlete, because we just have energy to burn that we never had before. And, we, and we're aware of how much of a gift it is that we do because we felt yes. so terrible before. Yes. Oh, God. Every time I go into the gym, I'm thankful for the fact that I'm able to put those weights over my head. I know that it, it wasn't going to be a given for me if I chose a different path um, for treatment. So I feel super fortunate, and I try to remind myself of that every time 
um, I step into the gym because I, I go to the gym almost every morning and I'm just, I'm so thankful that I'm able to move my body in the way that it is because when you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, you start to think, why is my body doing this to me? Why is my body attacking me? And then when you start to treat holistically and pay attention to the things that you're eating and the way that you're moving your body, you think, oh, my body is working with me. It's not it's working, working against me. It's literally just sending you a sign saying, hey, Lindsay, Corinne, please stop eating this. <laughs> yeah. I can't live off half a cheese sandwich. <laughs> yes. And I ignored all the warning signs and then oh, bam, same. I get hit with an autoimmune disease. So, mm-hmm. Same, yeah. same. I, I ignored it too. Oh, it was so great to have you on the show. I'm so glad that I got to see you looking so well and to meet you and to know that you're out there spreading the message and doing such a wonderful work for the animals, for the planet and for people out there living with chronic disease. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, but also for providing this platform to really try to spread the message. I know personally it's it's so nice to see people that you can relate to because it's easy for someone to say, oh, all people with chronic illness should do X, Y, and Z. But to have someone who's living with a chronic illness giving that advice lends for some reason, much more authenticity and credence to the things that they're saying. So to have someone like you in your position willing to be so open and sharing your message and giving a platform for other people to share their messages too, like I just think that's so amazing. So thank you for having this show and doing the work that you're doing. And thank you for having me on it. (laughs) You're absolutely welcome. I just love having people like you on the show sharing these stories because I know that they're, well, I hope, and I do know because people write to me, I know that they're helping people, which is really, really all that I can pray for in this, in this podcast world. So you are episode 119. So there are 119 stories out there for everyone and doctors and amazing stories for people who, of people who are in my hearts forever and their journeys are just so inspiring and they inspire you you all inspire me each week so I'm so grateful to have people like yourself willing to like as you say come on here and be vulnerable and share some of the hardest moments of your life so thank you so much thank you thank you so much Lindsay for coming on the show thank you all so much for listening Please don't forget to follow Lindsay Makes Lemonade over and on Instagram and Facebook. And please share this story and stories like these. As I said, there are six listed in the show notes. If you click on the show notes, you can get all of the information about Lindsay and all the other multiple sclerosis stories that are already on this podcast. So you can scroll back and do a deep dive and have a listen if you're someone who has multiple sclerosis or if you're someone who knows someone or loves someone with multiple sclerosis. They're all there for you and 119, you know, 18 other episodes as well. So yeah, check those out and please tag your friends, comment, share, like, all of those things help this podcast keep going forward. So thank you for your support. And I love you, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier 